Everybody and welcome to the February 24th, 2017 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get a quick take on RTD's new R line opening this Friday. The new light rail route extends from Lone Tree to Aurora and is the first new light rail line to be opened since the not so illustrious debut of the A line to the airport, which has encountered many problems. Patty Calhoun from Westward, do you have higher hopes for the R line? Well, at least they know what to be watching for, like <laughs> the barricades that don't go up or down. So I think they will have done enough testing that they are not going to have the same problems that the A-Line has encountered over the last 11 months. Craig Silverman joins us, attorney with Silverman and Levis and a talk show host on KNUS on Saturday mornings. Does the R-Line debut need to go far better so that folks can see the A-Line problems as an anomaly for RTD? I think it will go better. It's better planned and it's a great opportunity for Aurora. Now they're talking about skyscrapers and as crowded as downtown Denver is, I think it's a real opportunity to maybe have an adjacent city. I take the light rail all the time, but what they need is safety and reliability. There have been two tragic murders along light rail lines. That's black eye, but hopefully they can overcome it. Light rail is beneficial to our community. Joey Bunch, senior correspondent with ColoradoPolitics.com, is here. Uh, do you think the folks in the north side of town, specifically Longmont, Thornton, Northland, are getting a little antsy? I mean, this is a second line out into Aurora. The south has been served for a long time. What do you think? I think people all over the state are getting antsy. Transit is a, an investment in the future, but the immediacy is that we've got people stuck on the highways. And, you know, the, the legislators are looking at asking voters to fund $3 billion in infrastructure projects this year. And uh, people in Durango don't want to feel like they're paying for empty light rail cars in Denver. And, you know, the sign that transit is, is on its knees is the fact that uh, they don't call it transit anymore. The new word is mobility. And when they start rebranding, you know you got problems. <laughs> that indeed. Noel Phillips wraps up the panel for us, uh, a criminal justice reporter from the Denver Post. Uh, the R-Line, do you think it's a, a vital route going through Aurora? Yes. There's a lot of people that live out there, a lot of immigrants, um, very diverse community. I think it'll be well used. I live out there. Um, I'd like to use it. I really like using light rail. It's really convenient. And it's a spanking new line right there going, even uh, right through the, uh, the Anschutz whole medical campus right. out there. Yeah, I think so. It should be interesting to watch. A rewrite of immigration enforcement policies released this week by the White House looks to target any undocumented immigrant violating the law, including traffic violations, for possible deportation. Meanwhile, a state house committee here in Colorado killed a bill late on Thursday that would have allowed public officials of so-called sanctuary cities to be held accountable for crimes and damages committed by undocumented immigrants. Patty, I think uh, most folks looking at this bill at the state house knew it was going nowhere. The Democrats have the House. It was a Republican-sponsored bill. But were you surprised to even see it, uh, or were you surprised by the tenor of this bill uh, from the environment that we have right now? I am not surprised by anything anymore. You, it, when we look at the comments that are put on stories, you cannot 
you cannot imagine how hateful sides are getting. Both sides are getting. The discussion is really bad. So something like this coming up wasn't a huge surprise because that's the kind of hateful attitudes we're hearing. That it was also shoved aside so quickly was not a surprise because there was no way public officials were going to be held accountable for it. The debate is continuing over what's a sanctuary city, what isn't a sanctuary city, what is a, who's a bad immigrant, who isn't a bad immigrant. Just again today, Donald Trump is talking, doubling down. He's going to get rid of the bad hombres. He's going to build the wall for sure. But who, what exactly is the bad action? Is it going to be... A speeding violation? Is it going to be not having your car registered? That's what is really concerning now. I don't think anyone has a big problem with deporting really bad hombres, but who's going to define it? Craig, what do you think the effect of this focus on immigration so early and fairly intently by the Trump administration is going to have on Republicans in states like Colorado, maybe states like Texas, where you have a far more diverse population and far more population of constituents to speak to? I don't think most people like sanctuary cities, and I think there's a political disconnect. Uh, some of our leaders, like Michael Hancock and John Hickenlooper, don't appreciate that the average person doesn't like the fact that there's no cooperation between state and city officials and the federal government. And we've had a couple of situations in this city. Look, I work in the criminal justice system. For a long time, we understand that if you plead guilty to a crime involving moral turpitude, you're subject to deportation and removal. Nothing has changed, but there's going to start to be enforcement. You have this kid, Ever Baez, a 19-year-old, identified by ICE as a Mexican national and a gang member. He got caught stealing cars and weapons offenses. ICE said, don't release him without notifying us. Denver Sheriff's gives 20 minutes notice with the facts, and then he's accused now of going out to a light rail station and murdering a Denverite, a 32-year-old man named Tim Cruz. Then you have another guy, a Honduran repeat criminal, Norlana Estrada Reyes, who killed Karina Pulek, a 28-year-old lawyer at 13th and Broadway, and then left his car, and he finally got caught. This is aggravating people in our community, and we don't want it. And now Denver's in the eye of the storm, called out by Bill O'Reilly, called out by Greg Gutfeld. Michael Hancock's video is saying we welcome everybody. No, we don't welcome repeat uh, criminal offenders who have committed crimes of moral turpitude. By Donald Trump talking tough and the legislature talking tough, we'll see less illegal immigration. And in my mind, that's a good thing. Legal immigration, good. Illegal immigration, bad. Joey, what was the reaction on Capitol Hill to the, the bill that we talked about that was uh, you know, killed on Thursday? But certainly, I'm sure it set some tones throughout the, the Capitol. Yeah, it set some political tones. You know, and Craig made a lot of good points. Unfortunately, most of them are irrelevant to this bill because this bill was about holding legislators and holding city council members. And, you know, are we going to start arresting people for how they voted on a city council two years ago based on what some, a crime somebody else committed? That's an unworkable law. It's also an unconstitutional law. Representative Mike Foote, who is, um, he's a deputy district attorney in Boulder County, and he's one of the most brilliant legislators in the building. And he took the bill sponsor, uh, Dave Williams, to task. I told Dave this morning that, uh, that uh, Michael spanked him like a legislative child, and he didn't, he didn't like that very much, but that's exactly what happened. And we had, um, we had 
law professors coming in. There was a law professor from DU who came in and said, if one of my students turned this in, I would not only fail the student, but I would reevaluate the whole program because obviously we're not teaching people to understand the Constitution. It was a cynical bill, and I told uh, Representative Williams today, if it had been a Democratic House instead of a, or a Republican House instead of a Democratic House, this bill still wouldn't have passed. I've talked to Republicans who said, this was a bad bill because what happened was people came in and made a lot of racist remarks and they may not be Republicans, maybe they are Republicans, but either way that sticks to their party. I don't think we'll see this bill again in the Colorado legislature unless Representative Williams wants to serve it up for cannon fodder again next year. Noel, with your uh, background in criminal justice, it seems that there is a gap. I don't think there's going to be many people who would argue that, Craig, that we uh, folks that are here illegally, that are gang members, are uh, you know, potential murderers, people like that, that do people. I think unanimously people would want those folks deported. But there's a big difference between that and maybe somebody who was uh, you know on the on his dad's back as he came across 30 years ago, wasn't documented, and gets pulled over for speeding. Is there a chasm there that the criminal justice system needs to address? Yeah, I mean, this is a complicated issue. Um, everybody has constitutional protections in this country, whether you're a U.S. citizen or a guest of our country. Um, those are in place for everyone. I talked to Denver Sheriff Patrick Furman about this week because they are in the eye of the storm. And the situation at a jail is very fluid. Most of the people that are there have not been convicted of anything. They've merely been charged. They're entitled to post bonds. Um, they don't, the sheriff's department doesn't always know exactly when someone's going to come up with the money. And once they do and they post their bond, the sheriff's department says, we cannot hold them indefinitely waiting for an ICE agent to come to our jail and pick them up. And as soon as we know what time they're going to be out and what day, we tell ICE. It's not always, you know, 24 hours notice. And on the other end, you know, ICE agents are limited as well, and they've got priorities and maybe... They don't have the time to go get somebody in the next hour at the Denver jail. And so there's, you know, it's just very fluid and it evolves and it is complicated. Now, if, there's, if somebody has a federal criminal warrant for them, just like if there's an arrest warrant out of Arapahoe County and they're in the Denver jail, they run them through NCIC, they see that warrant, they will hold them for ICE. Gotcha. Citing a rise in opioid drug use, White House spokesperson Sean Spicer said on Thursday that he expects greater enforcement of federal marijuana laws, even in states where it has been legalized. Industry experts are still waiting for what that will mean, since as a candidate, Donald Trump said marijuana was an issue best left to the states. Craig, was this a good, a, a productive way for Sean Spicer to head Seeing where we are as a country right now with so many 28 states legalizing some form of marijuana and public opinion being overwhelmingly for it, was this a, a wise move for Spicer? Sean Spicer says a lot of things in unusual ways. And again, this reflected sort of grief or madness comparing marijuana to the opioid epidemic. Uh, but at the same time, Donald Trump, his boss, has been all over the place. The new attorney general, Jeff Sessions, is a warrior against marijuana, so better get ready, Colorado and other states. The other thing you have to note about Donald Trump, he tends to like the states that voted for him and disfavor the states that voted against him. Colorado voted against him, California, Massachusetts, which is legalized Oregon, marijuana, Washington. Oregon, Washington. So <laughs> is he capable of retaliating? I don't know. Seems to me if they crack down on marijuana, then he's throwing away any opportunity to win. 
in 2020 because marijuana is uh, more popular than Donald Trump in Colorado, according to the electorate. So we'll see what they do. You know, the fix, as Jared Polis uh, put out in a bulletin last night, is to change the law. It's ridiculous that marijuana remains a Schedule One controlled substance on a par with heroin and uh, other really bad drugs that can kill you. So the, the Congress may need to weigh in, and it really will be interesting to see if the federal government wants to crack down, do they really have the resources to do it as far as Colorado has grown? Two years ago at CPAC, Donald Trump told Sean Hannity, Colorado has a lot of problems. But then as the election came up, he reversed himself and said it's a states' rights issue. He said that to Brandon Ritterman, among others. So Donald Trump's been all over the place, and maybe this was a trial balloon to see what's happening, but I'm sure it uh, scared a lot of people who are now in the cannabis industry. All, almost, what, $1.5 billion worth uh, just in Colorado? It should be interesting to watch. Uh, Joey, was there a response from lawmakers on Capitol Hill that, um, that you think is... Uh, <laughs> when, we get, when the camera gets what? back on you, I think well, well, okay. you should do that part again, because then folks will get the joke. Uh, it was, what was the response on Capitol Hill from what we saw from Sean Spicer? Not a lot. I mean, come on. Sean Spicer and Kelly Conway say things that that the administration doesn't support in a matter of hours. You know, what this was was a big bologna sandwich for Trump supporters and people who oppose marijuana. But it's way too hard to unwind these 28 states that have these laws in place. You know, the government will be in court forever. You know, and, and sure, Trump is going to put his own imprint on this issue, the same way the Obama administration did with the coal memo. And that's all it is. I, uh, I, you know, this is a whole lot of hot air about nothing. I don't, I don't think Colorado laws are going to change. You know, Donald Trump was very clear during the election that he's a states' rights guy. And what Sean Spicer said, if you really look at it, you know, the media likes to overreact to everything out of the Trump administration. I think if you really look at it, yes, he opened the door for this discussion, but he didn't say they were going to do it. And, uh, you know, they can bogart this issue if they want to. I'm going to go have a bag of Oreos. <laughs> you saw that part coming. Uh, Noel, uh, do you think the tie to opioid use was the irresponsible part of this whole announcement? Yes. I don't know what much more I can say about that. I think there's a big difference between uh, smoking a joint and uh, shooting up heroin. Um, the heroin, yes, that's a huge problem. Um, Heroin overdoses and opi prescription opioid overdoses are skyrocketing. Um, we, we're not seeing that with marijuana. Yeah, there's some stupid things that happen when people uh, use a little too much, but nowhere near uh, dying in the streets or at home in the bathroom. And so, yeah, that, that was, there was no need for that. Patty, uh, candidate Donald Trump says it's a state issue. President Donald Trump's spokesperson says it's just like heroin. Uh, we really don't know where it's going to go. If uh, if you are uh, at least uh, sought, if people from the cannabis industry here in Colorado seek your advice of what you think is going to happen, what's your take? Buy a lot of ads really quickly. You know, and then there's Jeff Sessions, who likes the KKK, thinks they're just okay guys until he finds out they smoke pot. I think we have to go back to Donald Trump saying it's a state's rights issue. That's the one he came out with. And we've certainly done our research on this, this issue, but that's the one he seems to have held to most consistently. And I think that's the one he will stay with. I cannot imagine they would try to do anything against the 28 states that have legalized medical marijuana. It's the ones where there is rec legalized that if they really were trying to do something, maybe it'd be there. But 
I think right now they will let it be a state's issue. And Sean Spicer has just given Melissa McCarthy plenty of new material because in Colorado, one of the few states where opioid use is down. Marijuana has affected it in a good way, if it's affected it at all. Denver Mayor Michael Hancock announced this week that he is focusing on making the city more bike and pedestrian friendly. In a Denver Post TV interview, Hancock noted that the city's mobility initiatives currently in development could cost upwards of $1 billion. Although no set funding plan has been released, Hancock noted that sources could include state and federal government funding or revenue from a bond issuance going before voters in November. Joey, some critics of this plan see it merely as an attack on uh, people in cars. It'll be great for people on, uh, on foot and on bikes, but at the expense of driving anywhere near uh, the central part of Denver. Does Hancock need to be careful on this one? I don't. I think he should have been careful before he ever said it. But it's good for him. You know, this is one of those things that liberals say that really looks good for him, that we're going to do these, we're going to be... But let me tell you something. You know, you can wait on a billion dollars from the federal government, or you can wait a billion dollars from the tooth fairy, but either way, you're not getting a billion dollars. You know, the only chance he has is to go to Donald Trump and say, hey, that $550 billion you're going to put into infrastructure, we want to use it for, for bike lanes and walking paths in Denver. And uh, then uh, Trump will laugh him out of the room. This is never going to happen. Noel, uh, what do you think here in Denver? I mean, it's a city in the West, which traditionally has more cars. And I don't think people want to see the sprawl that we've seen in bigger cities like Los Angeles and, and places in California. But it's not like people in Colorado are excited to give up their cars anytime soon. Is this a wise uh, priority for the Hancock administration? Um, yeah, I mean, it's... <sighs> It is nice to talk about um, different ways of transportation. Nobody likes sitting in a traffic jam. Will this relieve the afternoon and morning commutes, commutes and the pressure off that? I don't know. I would hope that this would come with some public education because there are some good laws on the books because there's a safety issue here too. Um, you know, it's personal for the Denver Post. We lost uh, Colleen O'Connor back at the end of August who was hit and killed when somebody who's now pleaded guilty to vehicular homicide and driving while drunk ran over her. Um, so it's personal, but there are safety issues and laws in place where if people don't drive drunk, get off their cell phones, bicyclists don't go flying down the sidewalk in the wrong direction, pedestrians look up from your cell phone, there are things in place to protect us. So when we look at that safety issue, I hope there's some education that comes with this plan. <coughs> Patty, do Denverites want more walking or more parking? Yes, they want it all. <laughs> that's, why we're in, that's why we're in the West. But one of the things that Hancock has to address and his planning department has to address is most people are going to have cars because even if you can get around the core city without them, you want to drive to the mountains. You want to go to the plains. That's one of the reasons you live here. You want to see the great outdoors. And there are not a lot of ways to get to the great outdoors unless you're a really good long-distance bicyclist. So... We still have the issue on the small lots and whether or not they have to, um, they have to have parking provided for the people who live there. That that moratorium has been extended another 60 days while they still decide it. But right now, it's hard to even find a place in Denver to put your car, even if you want to take the bus downtown or ride your bicycle downtown. That's true. Craig, uh, when you look at Denver, um, does it need, I mean, Mayor Hancock voiced a fear that if we don't address pedestrians and bike traffic that people will start leaving Denver. Right? There's probably some folks seeing all the traffic saying that's okay. But if, if Denver wants to remain a top-tier town, is making it more pedestrian-friendly the way to go? 
Yes, but it's a lot of chutzpah on the part of Mayor Hancock. It's like him asking for money for water after he started a bonfire. I mean, there's so much building just coming through downtown to get over here today. I worry about the bike riders, and I ride uh, my bike all the time. Here's my B-cycle card. So I like those lanes on Broadway and downtown. When I get a chance, I'll be the guy in the suit riding the court because it's more convenient. But I still need my car, and people living in the inner city, they don't have a place to park. Look at those massive developments at Spear and Downing. That's unbelievable. Nobody goes to Cherry Creek anymore because it's too crowded, if I can borrow that from Yogi Berra. <laughs> so the bottom line is, yes, Denver needs more transport options, including bike lanes, but uh, we're way overbuilt, and it's, uh, it's remarkable the lack of planning that went into the overbuilding. Let's get a quick take on this last one. Protesters seeking to hold rallies at Denver International Airport now only need one day to request a permit following a U.S. District Court judge's decision on Wednesday. Plaintiffs in the case were allegedly told by police that they couldn't hold signs inside the airport and needed to go outside during an immigration ban demonstration late in, in late January. Uh, Noel, your quick take on this. Was this a timely decision seeing uh, the kind of protest era we seem to be in right now? Yes, I think it was timely. Um, you know, Judge William Martinez also presided over a case back in 2015 when there was a dispute over whether the plaza in front of the Lindsay Flanagan courthouse was a free speech zone. And in that case, he ruled, yes, it is. Um, he didn't completely sell out Denver Airport to protest any time, any place. He still determined that Jefferson Terminal is not a wide open public space, that safety prevails. And so there's a one-day permitting process now, and you can't just show up with and stand wherever you want. So the protesters in the airport are still going to have to work together. But, yes, it was timely. Patty, I recall the opening of the movie Airplane, where free speech in airports has been an issue for a long, long time. Maybe a little bit different light here. Your thoughts? Well, you still can't get past security with your signs, so I think it was a good move. When you have a protest, it's usually a response to something that just happened. So having to do seven days, and it's not just at the airport. There are other advanced um, deadlines like that in other parts of the city. It's, it's not reasonable. But if you can have a well-behaved protest set up a day in advance, I think that's fine at the airport. Craig, our view of airports has evolved over the years. Uh, what do you think about this decision? Well, I don't like uh, being interfered with at the airport, but it doesn't really matter what I like. Uh, Judge Martinez made the point that people hold up signs at the airport, incoming passengers. So if they're holding a sign expressing some free speech thought, uh, it's a constitutional matter. My main thought is more money for David Lane. <laughs> you know, he brought another lawsuit. He'll get attorney fees out of it, and uh, I don't begrudge him, but... I just assume when I travel, not encounter interference. Joey, wrap it up for us. Well, you know, free speech is a funny thing. You know, my Vote for Pedro t-shirt is no different than Patty's I'm a Mussolini girl t-shirt. <laughs> you know, so where do you draw the line? Am I, you know, they, they don't let you hand out uh, leaflets for religious causes or for uh, political messages. But where does that stop? I think that he made the right decision. You know, 24 hours is plenty of time to get police or whatever you need there. But at the same time, who's deciding free speech? The cop at the airport? That's not good enough. I think he did the right thing. I think everybody was a winner here. Let's get to our best part of the show, our favorite part of the show, Disgrace of the Week. Patty, as always, start us off. We know it's not much fun to get yelled at because I am yelled at all the time. But 
that doesn't mean that our elected representatives should be ditching town hall meetings. The people who are, the congressmen who are back for their recess in February should be meeting with their constituents, even if those constituents are going to go out and yell at them. Craig. How low can the Democrat Party go to have Keith X, Keith Ellison, seriously considered to be the chairman, former member of the Nation of Islam, a follower of Louis Farrakhan, he can claim that he's put his anti-Semitism in the past, but if the Democratic Party has him as a leader, wow, to me that's disgraceful. Julie. I am going to be on the other side of Patty's disgrace because I think it's disgraceful that these uh, political organizations just basically want to ambush these legislators and create something for the, for the 6 o'clock news of them being yelled at. I don't blame these uh, legislators at all for not wanting, you know, because these people aren't there to talk about the issues. They're there to create political theater. Noel. Uh, the racism and hatred that spews into my voicemail and inbox every time I write about immigration, this is a serious issue, and we need to have a rational discussion in our country, but we can't when people are so clouded by fear and hatred of someone that they just really don't know and don't understand, and we need to get over it and move on. It's, it's shameful. We had a Disgrace of the Week submitted by a viewer, a Terry Rafferty. Uh, his suggestion for Disgrace of the Week was Penfield Tate, our own here at the panel, calling the $87,000 spent by Denver Water on a Denver retreat justified, commenting, hey, it's not your money, right, Penn? Well, Penn will be here to, de to defend himself soon, so we'll see his response to that. Let's get on to say something nice about somebody. Patty. It is the start of Denver Restaurant Week, and Denver restaurants are generally so gen generous to charities, those chefs will go out and help anyone. Whether or not you want to take part in Denver Restaurant Week, just appreciate that industry. Craig. Colorado is losing a terrific investigative journalist. Todd Shepard, for many years, ran Complete Colorado, and he did it extremely well. He's moving to Washington this weekend. We wish him good luck. I know he's been at this table. I mm -hmm. always enjoyed when he was here watching him on TV. Good luck at the Washington Examiner. Job well done in Colorado, Todd Shepard. Here, here. Joey. I totally agree with what he said, and I will say that mine is uh, State Senate President Kevin Grantham for laying some honest truth on us this week. I was at a uh, discussion Tuesday night about transportation funding, and we're all waiting on a bill that how's what's this tax increase for transportation going to look like? And uh, Senator Grantham put it out there. This has to pass a conservative Senate, a liberal House, and then the voters get a shot at it. And these are the vote, same voters who voted down a tax on cigarettes last year. Maybe they like potholes or dislike potholes more than they, uh, they like cigarettes. I don't know. <laughs> Noel. Um, well, with the dog mess at uh, Evergreen's Elk Meadow Dog Park, um, I'm going to give my thanks to all of those friends and neighbors who do pick up after their pets uh, every day after every walk. So thank you. Here, here. It's the absolute minimum you can do. That's all the time we have tonight. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out our special programming this Sunday night celebrating Black History Month, Black America Since MLK, Still I Rise, a great series from PBS on this Sunday night. As always, be sure to check out the CIL podcast on iTunes and Google Play and the show segments on Facebook and Twitter. For everyone here at Colorado Public Television, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for watching. Good night. Mm -hmm.